Yep. Let's I'm do sure. it. Oh, we have an intro song at the start, by the way. Excellent. <laughs> Fucking professional shit. I love it. Did it play? Oh, that's no, the wrong that one. That's the wrong one. That's bro. my podcast one. Guys, bad start. Bad start. Oh, Talk bullshit, amongst you yourselves. That. You planned that. Talk amongst yeah. yourselves. All right. Take two. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 86 of the Spearhead Sundays podcast. Hey, no. Oh, wait, that's my podcast. No. Hang on a sec. Oh, sorry. My mistake. Welcome to Luke and Lewis, guys. <laughs> Very special episode. We're joined by a guest, Dilruk Jayasinghe. Welcome to the show, mate. How are you going? Very good. I'm excited to be on this episode, uh, not only because it's on my favorite tram number 86, but it's also potentially the breakup episode of Luke and Lewis. So I want to get straight into <laughs> yes. this. What I'm, was the okay. discussion that was apparently happening for 20 minutes, an argument that was happening? Oh. It's not a discussion. No, no, okay. I'm happy. no, it's not an argument because I don't <laughs> no, care and Luke I'm happy to concede. Wrong. Yes. No, I'm, I'm happy to concede. <laughs> no, no, you got to go step by step. Okay. I, I'm as, yeah, uh, let's start as, again. As, as deaf to this as the audience is. So let's go yeah. step by step. Okay, by the so way, I is... concede and I don't care. All right, that's my official position no, in the argument. No, 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 no. <laughs> what? what? Imagine if every law, every, every <laughs> Alimabeel and all these law shows that started with, mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Philadelphia. What a terrible movie would have been if he got fired. Okay. Like, you know what? He has AIDS. Fair enough. Come on, boy. <laughs> now, Dill, this argument was actually inspired by your head uh oh. now we saw a photo that <laughs> oh, now i'm that... now I'm, I'm i'm with look fuck it let's move on <laughs> yeah I think, here's the thing all that's gonna come out of this is some feelings are gonna get hurt and lewis is gonna be like ah i'm a winner and is that what you want lewis <laughs> yes okay that, yes that sounds like my. Oh, that's, let's, let's just let's just put out a lot of love on the table and say we all yeah. love and respect each other and let's go from there let's okay. just, just have yeah. some friendly sparring then Okay, this is all friendly. Now, this started <laughs> off, it was inspired by a photo that you put on your Instagram, Dill. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> of you shaving your head and the top of your head looking quite bald. Yeah, um, so about a month ago, I sh uh, fully shaved, like scalped my head. And I used to do yeah. that quite a lot. Uh, like every two years or so, I used to do it. Um, mm. And then I stopped doing it because every time I wanted to, there was a reason why I needed to keep my hair long. And so it had been about maybe five years since I'd last done it. So I was always used to the idea of scalping it and then it grows back, no dramas. But this yeah. is the first time at the age of 35, I realized that it is growing back, but the bits on the top in the middle are growing back significantly uh, like slower than the sides. And that's when thinner. it hit me, holy shit, I am thinning. And so uh, I posted the photo on Instagram almost to like just, you know, get on top of it. Pun intended. Yeah. It's it's uh, a good it's a really good plan to get ahead of the scandal. Like before yeah, people definitely. notice it, because yeah. really you could have kept that knowledge with you for another three months because you weren't well, going to see anyone. For I ages. saw. I started seeing hints of it in my. Uh, if, if you can see actually here, since it's a video format, there's a little patch here that is. It looks growing. fine on camera. It, yeah, but there's a slight patch. Can you see there? Like it's it looks bit, though. Yeah. It's kind of cool. It looks like a wound. It doesn't look like you're going bald. Uh, it looks like you've been in a fight and you've yeah. won that fight. It, it kind of looks shiny. You look like a rare Pokemon in a way. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Dill in Singhali has been shiny, so they're off to a good start there. But uh, mm. I, I would say as a bloke who's never been in a fight, like the closest, I've said this on stage, the closest was where a bloke was about to punch me, but I must have looked so scared that he just slapped me. Like, <laughs> even, 
<laughs> he didn't even give me the respect of a bloke to bloke punch. He was like, nah, slap. And the only other time I've seen that happen was Nick Cage in uh, in Cornier when he's about to punch the effeminate guy. And yeah. uh, and he just feels bad, so he slaps him. I'm like, man, that's how little respect that guy who was about to punch me had for me. So <laughs> what I did was, uh, what I've realized is that, yeah, it is thinning. And, mm. and it, it in fact, before I even shaved my head, I had a whole bit in my new show about the fact that my hair is thinning. And because the whole show was about being grateful, right? And yeah. I, I said it was really hard to be grateful for thinning hair because I'd spent so much effort in the last couple of years of losing weight, like over 35 kilos. And I finally got my point to the my body to the point where I can not like hate it. And now all of a sudden my hair's like, you know what? I'm going to fuck off on you now. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, getting, I think the joke was like, you're getting too cocky, fuckhead. So I'm going to take your <laughs> hair off you. Yeah. And so... And so I actually joked about the thinning process and all of that before I actually even realized how real it was for me. And uh, I think the only thing that I finally became grateful for was the fact that I said, you know what, and this is true, I genuinely pulled myself out of a spiral by realizing that, oh, if my hair is thin, if my hair is thinning, that means I've lived long enough to see it thin. And I know plenty of blokes who died young with a full head of hair. And I'm sure they would have traded, you know, a few million years on earth with a balding <laughs> hair. Then, that then, that then is true, died. but I also feel like you're really scraping the barrel there, Dill. Yeah, if the only 100%. thing you can come up with is, oh, well, Death. at least I'm not fucking dead. Like, totally. you're at the bottom there. <laughs> yeah. 100%, man. 100%. Because I used to have thick, luscious, gorgeous locks. So it's a real... Because mm. also with therapy, I spent so much time on self-loving and learning to appreciate my body, even when it was fat, so that I can learn to love it and not hate it. But I fucking didn't spend any time on my head. I just yeah. took my hair for granted that whole time. Yeah. And I didn't realize that this was going to go away so quick. And also because I'm not a bloke who had a lot of testosterone. I was the last in high school to lose, uh, like to, to, to hit puberty. I can barely grow a beard. I see you uh, got I don't hair have last and lost it first. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no, I had a lot of balding friends early on, so I'm, I've got a little bit of ahead of it. But That's I just good. used to take pride in the thickness of them. I really genuinely yeah. would look at it going, fucking, that is beautiful. Do so you I reckon think- you'll enter the realm of being one of Australia's bald comedians like Jim Owen, Cal Barron? Mm, Do you think yeah. that's a future for you? Or are you going to try and get some hair loss type? Thing going well, on. I, I put it out there yesterday on Instagram that, you know, is Ashley Martin uh, advanced hair? Yeah. Well, you're asking <laughs> for a sponsor. Yeah, yeah. And so it was really interesting to hear the the DMs that came through about from people who worked for those companies and heard the real stories. And basically the consensus is, this is in case... I'm, is I'm the talking. consensus, hang on, Is this is my hypothesis, yeah. shame yeah. porn, sorry, not shame porn, shame worn. Shame porn. <laughs> shame porn. <laughs> shame <laughs> Porn. Shane Porn. And Shane Warne. That's like an Eminem I just associate run. him with hot fucking <laughs> in my head. No, uh, Shane Warne <laughs> yeah. is wearing a toupee. Is that the truth? Oh, I don't know about... Oh, well, this is what... Because that would be a fucking hot scoop for this show that if really that's the was. case. Someone said uh, that... I think it was... So this is, you know, let's go with allegedly because I don't know if I can get sued over this shit because I've named them specifically. But mm. Well, that's what we've been going whenever we talk about George Pell. So I think it works. <laughs> oh, if shit. it doesn't, we're fucked. <laughs> I, for- I forgot who I'm talking to. <laughs> <laughs> you don't well, really you have to say about advance here, allegedly <laughs> on this show. <laughs> yeah. No, I... Uh, yeah, I think what they said is there might be slight results in certain uh, for these two particular that, but they are super expensive. The bang for your buck is very little, and also yeah. as soon as you stop it, it fucks off again. So it's almost right. like right. you're better off 
embracing it. I think the best was when... I think Tom that's Le- true. Well, the argument yeah. so, that Luke yeah. and I were having was, yeah. was Luke said... Why don't you say what you said, Luke? And then I'll I say said, what I think. Um, and I was just speaking off like my mates who have gone bald, right? Mm-hmm. Which they've gone bald pretty young. Like I'm 24. That is very early. Um, I've got a few mates who have shaved it already. And yeah, yeah, yeah right. Uh, what my experience was when they shave it, right? So they had a pretty good head of hair. One of them was like, we didn't even call it. He shaved his head as a laugh and then it never grew back yeah, yeah, yeah. on top. And I said, oh, it seems like when you shave your head, it, it sometimes it just doesn't come back as a male. Right. And then Lewis said, that's bullshit. Hair will grow back the same. So I did some research. Now, Lewis is correct, I think. But mm. but also, it all, I also read some stuff that said uh, shaving yeah. can lead to irritation, which then, yeah, can ruin the hair so, follicles and Luke, damage well, your hair. I've, I've got irritation. So, so it's like, dude, pubes. the internet, there's there's Usually evidence on every side. Pube, that's some irritation for me when I shave <laughs> yeah. it. But, but, uh, Luke was saying that when you shave, it doesn't come back. But I was saying that, no, it was never there. When you shave uh-huh. it, it just But you had a nice head obvious. of hair. Did you notice that you were thinning before this? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, like I started to notice that, you know, there was uh, bits. For, when I came out of the shower, like say yeah. two years ago, I could never see my scalp unless I parted yeah. it. Whereas now I started noticing that when I came out of the shower, that there was more scalp visible, even when I had my thick, luscious hair. So True. I started to notice it thinning. So I, I have to agree with Lewis there because as someone who did regularly shave, mm. go full scalp once every two years it would grow back and there was no real notice. It's only in the last, say, five years or so that I've noticed that it is thinning and it's now growing back yeah. slower because it's the hair that was, as Louis said, was never there. Well, so maybe my mate was just about to go bald yeah, and yeah, no I one realized so. it. Because, like, yeah. he he was like, dude, it's not growing back. It's been three months. <laughs> what the... F-? Like, he was panicking. <laughs> yeah, but, because <laughs> it's like... It's, it, cause if you think about shaving, you're just cutting the top off. Right? Yeah. You're I just not thought, pulling like, it out. I yeah. just thought yeah, maybe yeah. like some young guys, I was like, fuck, it seems like to me from looking at my mates, like fucking once you go, it's not coming back champ. So enjoy it while you have it kind of thing. Mm, that's good advice though. Enjoy it while you have it. Is yeah. I, good advice I'm in a weird position where, where I, everyone thinks that I've been going bald since I was 18. Cause no, I have so- solar panel forehead, huge forehead oh, really? and the Dracula hairline. People think that I've been going bald. My hairline yeah. hasn't moved since I started, but everyone's telling me, bro, your hairline's receding. Right, it hasn't moved. Right. My grandfather yeah. is 80 years old. He has a full head of hair. I'm never going to go bald, I think, but I am always going to look like I am going bald. So that's my <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I'm not going bald. Yeah, and everyone yeah, thinks yeah. I'm one of those guys that are lying about it. It's like, yeah, no, yeah. I'm never going to go bald, but fuck, He's I just am going to look, look like, like I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same thing, I, I really. am. I'm also fortunate. My my granddad passed away at 92 with a full head of hair. And Is uh, your mum's side or your dad's side? Uh, dad's and also mum's father did as well. So I think I'm set. I think the uh-huh, the genes okay. are behind me. But right. also like you know, I feel like if I was going balding, I'd kind of do a Matto kind and just become a cap guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, hey guys, I'm cap guy. What's up? I didn't I'm already cap Matt guy. Was bald for about six years until he removed the cap, and I was like, oh, I thought you just loved hats. Well, yeah. Well, you know, when I perform stand up, I'm always about the suit jacket. Like, I, yeah. I everything everything under the jacket is exactly the same year after year. It's a black you're gonna have to wear a beret or something. Well, that- <laughs> <laughs> Or a fedora. I yeah. finally reclaimed the fedora from, from all that. Yeah, it's, it's no longer for adventure archaeologists. It is for mm. 
comedians well, like, as well. Maybe I'll just embrace, you know, the ethnic stereotype. Go full turban. Like, just <laughs> uh, culturally appropriate Indian turban. Well, my, my grandparents are Indian, so maybe I can use that. So, yeah, I'll just go hardcore and just, you know, go full head wobble and, and you know, just <laughs> really lean into it. But I, I, I think work. this is the other thing in terms of like, you know, when you're feeling shit, I, that's that's one of the things that I'm good at is I'm, I'll scrape the bottom of the barrel till I find something to pull me out of that, uh, you know, out of that spiral. The same way I've been watching that Michael Jordan documentary and he's such a fucking psychopath that he will find anything to fire himself up. Like he would, you know, imagine stories about someone saying something bad to him just to fuel him to work harder. He's a psycho and I love it. So my equivalent of that is I am such a positive person that I will manufacture positivity where it doesn't even exist. See, Lewis so will do the Michael Jordan night. method. Yeah. Uh, Lewis yeah, is the type of person me, to manufacture sure. negativity. He'll fucking I swear to God he was thinking this. And it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. whoa. <laughs> He probably wasn't, man. Calm down. Not everyone. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter because at, 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 at any doesn't matter Dude. what they were thinking. As long as it's negative, I'm moving forwards. I'm fueled by that. The, right. The, right. The amount so of this- times I have to say to Lewis, you think a bit much of yourself if you think these people care about you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's a really interesting lesson because I I I think there's fuel in each of every one of them, like in both those ideas. So for me, when I did the. Uh, I did a marathon last year and up until like the 30 kilometers, right? I was fueled by the positivity of yeah. me thinking about the fact that, or, or, you know, year, like 20 months ago, I couldn't run 100 meters. I'm like, this is so amazing. I can't believe I made this transformation. Looking at people with cancer running, like with signs saying survived cancer, a dad yeah. pushing a, a, a disabled child as he's doing a marathon, like all these positivities fueling me. It was awesome. But at the 35 kilo mark, all of that waned and I was just left with pure cunt and I was just getting <laughs> fueled by all That's spite. Good. Like I'm like, That's if good. I was Out to of the stop way, now- Baldy. Get yeah, this yeah. hair off the track. <laughs> Lose your hair the proper way, mate. <laughs> like <how> I am. <laughs> not, not through your treatment. Like all kinds of like, you just, because it's like, it was a new resource I had to tap into because I was, because yeah. really, I had seven more kilometers to go. My body is depleted of energy and I still had what I consider a long way to go, seven kilometers. I'm like, well, if I stop now, that means all those people who told me I can't do it get proven right. So yeah. I could not let them have that win. So I had to tap into that. So I think if you, if you know you, can, you have that in the back pocket, that's mm. for me at least, it's something I use. And I use, use it even in comedy as well. There was a lot of people that told me I was quite, and I was to be fair, quite shit when I started. But I love that, that occasionally when I feel like throwing in the towel and not going for a gig, I'm like, no, if I don't, that person gets proven right. So I better go and put the hard work that's in. That's right. That's what I do every day. I wake up in the morning and I check my list full of quotes and names and I go, fuck all of them. And then I start my day, I have <laughs> yeah, my breakfast. Yeah, yeah. It's like my favorite artist is Eminem. And i yeah. so inspired by him, but I want to do everything but be like him, which is someone who... I think that's really, fair. Man, he is at his best when he's angry. And like, as mm. you guys know me, I'm. I, it's rare for me to really get too angry. And I'm Yeah, I'm it. shocked that you like Eminem that much. It's, it's not oh, your it's, vibe I'm at obsessed. all. I'm Look, I even have like, it's like my favorite <laughs> This is not your vibe at all. Eminem Yo. thrives when he's angry. Like Eminem reached a state, he got off all the drugs, he reached mm. a state of happiness, he put out an album and the whole world went, boo, this sucks, <laughs> get addicted to pills again. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's that's why I, find, I I think that's what people forget that you can be inspired by people who you have nothing in common with. Like I I think about his early albums a lot about his, you know, traumatic childhood, his strange father, the you know, the the lawsuits with his mom and all that and I and I loved him as a 14-year-old and I had nothing in common with him. My parents yeah. are happy. They they did nothing but support me. Like you know, I used to get angry at them when I started comedy when dad be like, "Oh, do you need help with rent?" I'm like, "Come on, man, let me be a struggling artist." Like, yeah. you know, yeah. No, no good art came from support and nurturing. You know? yeah, that's, yeah, that's why that's I'm a, a fucking point. terrible comedian. You know, because my parents really love me a lot, and they yeah. th- they gave me a lot of money. And that's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I had to move yeah. to Frankston just to, just to, on the off chance I might get stabbed. You know, that's a good twenty minutes, huh? Yeah, exactly. Just for material. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, finding what fuels you with it and and having that negativity in resource. I think I use it like I I, I use the example of in Fast and the Furious, the Nos tank that you just you can't. <laughs> use it all the time because yeah. i don't like yeah. i actually don't like what i become when i get competitive like it's a side of yeah. me that i didn't know i had because i never played sport as a kid i was just this uh, fat kid who ate and drank right yeah and then and then suddenly i started looking into fitness and trying to get healthy and i realized there's a really competitive streak in me that <laughs> that i'm i'm not comfortable with like i yeah i, I tap into something that I'm, i i hate but that's and, what sport is essentially yeah but sport, as a kid, helps you control it and let, lets, lets you, True. you know, channel it. Whereas if you're a 35 year old, 33 when I started, you don't know who you are. Like it's almost like I'm only two years into understanding what an art, like what a what competitiveness is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like because yeah. in for the years before that, I was like, if I don't try, I can't fail. So I'm just going to yeah. stay happy and positive and optimistic by not pushing myself. Like I push myself in certain areas, but they were all kind of like individual kind of things. But in terms of actual competing against someone else, that's a side of me that I'm, ugh, I, I don't know what to do with sometimes. And I'm like, well, you, you talk about that a lot in um, like the positivity and, and stuff in yeah. your new comedy special, which is out now on Amazon Prime. Congratulations, mate. Thanks, One of the man. first Australian comedians to get a special on a big network. That's huge. Oh man, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, my dad was the first. Thanks, Betty. And my dad first asked me. He's like, "Are you the Are you the first Sri Lankan to get a special on Amazon?" I'm like, "Fuck, I might be, Dad." Probably. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Nazim Hussein, who has got his Sri Lankan heritage, he's on Netflix, so he's got that covered. Doesn't count. Of- Fuck it. Doesn't <laughs> count. Good. And next, uh, you know, that sucks. Try and bed into Stan, man. You just just get one on there. Yeah, like Luke and I, we're never going to be the first white people. I know, like I can't be the first straight white male to do anything because all um, I can be is the tallest. We've been killing comedian. it for years, so <laughs> you got, got tallest comedian Kijil. You, you, you the got... whitest, basic, most privileged. I don't know, uh, all of the above. <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have supportive parents. Yeah, one who received the most love as a child, maybe. <laughs> You'd be the first guy to get a Netflix deal and rock up to the taping wearing a cotton-on t-shirt. Oh, for sure. I would never spend over $30 on a t-shirt that I wear on a comedy special, mate. I'm not fucking... I'm not... I don't have an ego. Um, Sorry, Lou, you were saying something about uh, positive in the in the special. Oh, I just... I was just wanted to talk about the special. I think that's yeah. really cool that, that you've done that. How did that come about? Uh, so I think it was... It obviously came through my management who had, I think, negotiated and well, spoke to Amazon directly behind the scenes. And then, you know, they, they said they're one of the uh, people that they want to work with. So as soon as I got the, the offer, it was exciting. But it's fascinating how quickly you snap into uh, panic mode as well, because all of a sudden you overthink everything like you boys who've both recorded stuff know that when you're performing live to a live audience that exists in that night, there's a lot more. 
I don't know, creative freedom. I guess you feel you're, you're yep. a lot more playful, heaps yep. more playful. But as soon as the cameras came on, the amount of like, yeah, it was like I'm overthinking everything. So there's actually a solid the first 10 minutes of the actual taping because we only taped it once uh oh only one that's scary. see this is what i was telling lewis before and because we've we talked about this one night after a gig deal rock and yeah. uh i was saying to you i'm like oh you're like how did you enjoy your special i was like ah oh, look i taped it once i'd probably do it again differently which uh-huh. i've talked about and you were like man uh, I, I i felt super uncomfortable about it too i watched your special you can't tell at all man i had right. to com- I had completely you look great. put I completely Thank put you. the middle twenty minutes at the front of my special because I was so nervous and you can tell. So I <laughs> yeah, switched right, right. the order. So here here's you know, full full disclosure. Like so this is what I was leading up to. So we taped it only once and we uh, the in the first ten minutes of the live rec what we recorded live, there's only uh, I think about two minutes that went to air. The other ah, eight minutes okay. had to get wow. cut because it was Eight wasn't like essential to the because I recorded in one hundred one hour twenty, so I needed to cut it back by twenty minutes anyway. But it was so noticeably nervousness right. that was like, well, that's was, why we didn't was, see it. It was just completely yeah, removed, completely just pulled out because. Yeah. And so where it almost picks up from is a bit from where I fucked up a line or something like that, and yeah. I had to reset. I wanted. I was like, oh look, I'm going to do that bit again, and then. Oh, true. Because uh, if you only have one taping. If you fuck up a line, you have to walk it back and go, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I need to reset that up. Yeah. And I did that like, once, I think. But it was super weird. The audience was like, what? You can't do why yeah, are you, so you doing can't use, You can't use it too often because yeah. then they stop trusting the... Uh, they the realize that, that, that is- they're being filmed. Well, that's actually, that's a good point. I didn't even think of it like that. You're right. They become a bit more aware of their themselves. But I think it's more about the beautiful thing about live comedy is the element of danger because you're seeing something yes. happen and it could go any way, uh, which you kind of lose when you're watch, sitting back in the comfort of your home. Yeah. You know, you know that if it's taped and put to air, it went, it was fine. You know, that danger is hard to yeah, really true. capture sometimes in a, in a taping. But if the crowd in there keeps going, oh well, if he fucks up, he's just gonna get reset. There, there's a weird relaxing off. Yeah, I don't know. It just you lose some of that. Bit that, more fake. That, that yes, and <laughs> and uh, polished and 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 uh, refined, and that's not yeah. what I like in terms of stand-up comedy. So I couldn't use it too often, but because I fucked up, because I acknowledged it, and then I actually did a bit of crowd work and played with the crowd around the idea of me fucking up and saying, oh my God, you know, all this shit that Amazon spent money on and you hear seeing a guy yeah. fumble and his biggest opportunity or something like that, I was playing around. That weirdly turned the tables on myself where I went, oh, you fucked up now. So now we're back to a normal gig. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It was like, it wasn't this thing that in my head I'd built up as being, it had to be perfect. It had to be perfect. Only one shot. You know, Eminem lied to me and lose yourself. You don't get one shot. You get multiple shots. Apparently you just have to <laughs> reset. Yeah, just got to so, repeat the line. You know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Do you reckon so, you did that whole song in one take? Fucking poser. <laughs> exactly. And Will Anderson actually pointed out that the whole point of the movie is that he, uh, he actually fucks up at the start and he gets his second shot later on. So the yeah. whole premise yeah. of 8 Mile is about someone getting a second shot. <laughs> it's like, yeah. That's really True. undid your entire chorus with that one premise of the film but um yeah i, I think i think that was a a, a very uh, like a, i wasn't being uh, flippant when i said that i you know i was really nervous and stuff it's true it's just that i yeah. just took it out so you pick it up from where i where i'm more comfortable yeah. in how i perform i suppose closer to real life but even within that lou we were talking about this just before uh before we hit record 
that learning to let go of uh, there's a particular chunk that I know I've done, man, I reckon ah, fuck, 150 times yeah. uh, and about 120 of those times were better than what got taped. And I have to just let go. That's rough. Yeah, you just going to let that, it go, yeah. Yeah, and so going back to that gratitude model that I run off, right, which was me just going, oh, well, like, you know, your worst day, uh, your worst delivery on an Amazon special is probably better than most days anyway. So just be happy that you yeah, even got yeah. to fuck up in a, you know, in a taping. So that's in itself is a privilege to be upset I, about that. I think what's, um, what, I, what I'd like to ask is yeah. I think that in Australia with the stand-up comedy where it, it's, it's in such a strange position where uh, in America all of these people are getting specials and stuff, but in Australia, it's like, what? It's got to be less than 10 still, even after the huge amount of people that just got them on Amazon Prime. Yeah. I feel like it's it's like something that everyone here has been chasing, but also has been viewed as a little bit impossible because these are all American networks. How do you, uh-huh. d- how do you feel like shit has changed since you've gotten this thing that's seen as such a big thing by other people? Do you think much has changed or... Is it just another thing that's out there? I, for me personally, it's hard to gauge the change of any sort in Australia because of the fact that we're in lockdown. So it came out, you know, a month after we no were in shit. lockdown. So I, don't, so I don't really know what impact because there's no, they don't give you any stats. You don't know how many yeah. people have seen it. I can only go off on the, on the messages that I get from people who've watched it. Mm. But personally for me, the big, big thing the big, big win about all of this is was the ability to watch something at the same time as my brother did in India and my mom and dad in Sri Lanka, my yeah. classmates who live in the UK and the New Zealand and, and the USA. Like there was these people that all, you know, I've been in touch with over the years. I've been, well, I've been in touch with mom and dad. What a big fucking shocker. No, I like my family, like my, my friends and, and classmates and stuff who really wanted to see me perform, never got the chance finally got a chance to see me and yeah. then having them give me feedback, like, you know, chatting to them about yeah. what I've been doing for the last, you know, nine years or so. That to me was a big, big, big moment to have, you know, uh, my dad's, you know, sister-in-law's brother in, in California yeah, that's cool. messaging him saying, and, and it's really interesting because um, I forgot how much I share in the thing because going <laughs> back to where we operate, right? In, in, it's in yeah. a live comedy room. It gets very the personal, bi- you're special. Yeah. The, well, the biggest <laughs> audience we, like for me at least, is maybe the Comics Lounge, 400 people, right? So yeah. that's, as intim- that's as big as it gets for me. So this is all of a sudden dad's high school buddies watching yeah. me talking about sticking my dick in a vacuum cleaner. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? I did not anticipate that. And and it was really, it was actually quite funny because I asked, uh, well, dad, when I spoke to dad, he was like, like, oh man, he's like, I can't believe it. I'm so proud of you. And, you know, being the supportive guy he is. And he's like almost, he was actually tearing up as he was saying it. He said, I can't believe, you know, you get to see your name on this streaming service, all that. And I said, where's mom? And he goes, oh, she's throwing out the vacuum cleaner. She'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Fuck, I forgot I revealed this stuff about me shitting my pants and all these awful things that well, happened. Yeah. that's one thing i wanted to bring up i watched the special last night and yeah. dude it it felt like i've never seen you that vulnerable like i've seen you perform a lot and i've never yeah. seen you do those two bits which were the two most probably vulnerable <laughs> bits of the special which is you fucking a vacuum cleaner and then you being so <laughs> drunk you shit yourself in a public bathroom and right. have to ditch your pants <laughs> and, <laughs> and um I, th- I was just going to say, like, I-, I don't know. I've gotten pretty personal and stuff on podcasts, uh-huh. but I don't think I've ever got that personal 
in a room in front of 500 strangers. Was that daunting at first doing that bit about sticking your yeah. dick in a vacuum? That, the, the vacuum ones from last year's show and the pants one is from like 2016, I think. Mm. And the 2016 is a specific, is it, it, there's a story behind it, which is that in 2015, I got reviewed by a critic who was, whose reviews I generally respect. So this was my second ever show. And basically the review was like, hey, this guy is very likable. The crowd's on his side from the get-go and he doesn't do anything with it. It's a kind of a wasted, uh, like he, it was a negative review, but he, the one positive he said is that he's got the ability to get the crowd on side very mm-hmm. quickly. So I took it like a, as, because I do appreciate what his usual feedback has been for other comics and stuff. I thought, okay, let me think about that a bit and see if I can flip it. And so the following year, the show that I did, I took basically about five or six stories that when they happened, I was like, I wish no one ever found out about this. So one was me sticking my... Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, no, no, not, not the vacuum cleaner, sorry. So yeah, so the, the challenge for me in 2016 was to tell a bunch of stories that when they happened, I would never want to do it again. Uh, I didn't want anyone to find out. And one of them was me shitting my pants. And, and it was like that. It was about like how I once got caught, you know, comedian Pete Jones. So Pete Jones... Saw me come out of a portaloo with a plate of food in my hand. Like it was, I was off my head <laughs> and I could, you know, so things like all these stories that I was like, oh, Pete, please don't tell anyone about it. But of course, that's not how we, I was like, you know what? I need to, yeah. I need to own this. Yeah. So I told a whole bunch of stories that like were embarrassing. I even talked about how, when I saw like a group of black kids, how my immediate thought was, oh my God, they're, they're, they're up to no good. Like even things like that. Like mm. I was just revealing all well, the that's not embarrassing, isn't from- that what we all think? <laughs> yeah, but I just felt bad to admit it to admit to it. Right? So I kind of, I kind of just decided to put yeah. them all in the one hour and see how likable I truly am. And so the following that's ballsy. Review- Imagine if the next year's review was okay. He took my advice a bit too literally. I didn't need to know that shit. <laughs> I liked him last year. This new deal is an asshole and a racist. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Yeah, the point is we have racist thoughts. Whether we yeah, act yeah. on it is different. But yeah, I yeah. So he's literally kicks off the review by saying, "I can't. Uh, how how likable is this guy if he's able to talk about these things and still have the the you know be one of the most adorable comedians or some shit like that?" I'm like, "Fucking!" I felt like a huge win yeah. because it's yeah. like literally his you know negative feedback that I spun and and to be honest, kind of informs the way I perform now. So something like that vacuum cleaner story is something that I saw. Um, it was Celia Pocola's stand-up special, uh, stand-up show from the year before, which she actually does in the Amazon thing about mm. why guys don't stick their dick in their vacuum cleaners. It's beyond it. She's like, that's all I'd be doing. And I was watching that going, oh, fuck, I've done that. I have done that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. and, and I was like, can I like, get to the point where I can admit to doing that and tell the story about it? I'm like, let's just try it. Let's just try it. Because I now have that awareness that, you know, we all have different strengths in what we do. And some people are great writers. Some people are great performers. Some people can push boundaries and stuff like that. For me, Luke, as you said, it's, it's, I guess I, I've learned to be comfortable sharing some really fucked up stuff from my life because now I have the confidence that I Mm. can still, I have some skill in being able to share that without pushing the audience too far away. But still, yeah. like if you if you were to single like list out the things I talk about, it's pretty fucked. Like in fact, there was a there was a director who helped me with the Amazon special an amazing guy called Todd Abbott, and he literally the day before the recording had a call to me. He goes, "You know, I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm looking at your set list." And he's like, 
do you think we need to have the story about you sticking a toothbrush up your asshole? Uh, <laughs> or do you think we can we can get rid of it? I'm like, well, why do we ever get rid of it? It's one of my funniest bits. He goes, yeah, but, you know, we've got a lot of smart already. You got your shit in your pants. You got your... <laughs> like, yeah. So we're doing like a, a... It was a really good note because I kept the bit in because it had a lot of laughs. But off the back of all this other stuff, he's like, ah, we're kind of really losing a lot. Like, you know, do we really need another yeah. story about you being uh, another story about your asshole, basically? <laughs> so, yeah. so I was like, you know what? Yeah, fair enough. That's a good note. And I said to him, I said, I promise. I said, OK, look, let's tape it as is uh, uh, with the new version. But if at the end of it, I st- once we say thank you, good night, I just want to do that bit in isolation sorry hate that word now but just do that bit on its own after the show is finished to the crowd and if we need it we can just plop it in somewhere in the the hour you know what i mean just as a backup but uh, i actually didn't end up doing it because i was like you know what that hour went pretty good i'm happy with that you know yeah Yeah, uh, i I thought it was it was such a good special man and it was one of those things where because you did i think it was a good call because because you did talk about a new thing every five to ten minutes it just kept me in the whole time I was oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. pissing myself. And then uh, and then my girlfriend left to go to the toilet like for a bit. Then she came back like a few minutes later and you were halfway through the bit about talking about sticking your dick in a vacuum cleaner. And she just goes, what the, what did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> How did we get from because here to here? I think <laughs> she's met you once. It was that one time right. we went out for dinner um, a while back at that like 24 hour restaurant. So she, all she knows of you is like, oh yeah, uh, Luke's friend Dilrock, yeah, a good comedian, blah, blah, blah. Just walking in on you on the TV talking yeah. about fucking a vacuum cleaner and you going, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very confronting well, to hear the second one, end of that bit. <laughs> there was an awesome night at the comedy festival last year when about 20 of the people from that, no, well, about 10 of the people from that baseball club showed up on the same night. <laughs> oh, and, that would have been and getting to perform it to them and then at the end of the night announcing, oh, by the way, you know, the, yeah. the team I talked to you about, they're all here at the back or whatever. And and then chatting to them afterwards, uh, they told me stuff that I had blocked out. <laughs> there was like <laughs> other elements to the story Jeez. that I... And, and so I, can, I guess I'll share with you guys because I, I couldn't find a way to make... At least I didn't have time to make it work on stage. But one of the things is apparently it was... Because the force of it was so strong and I was screaming, my friend Tony had to come in and separate me and my dick from the vacuum cleaner. Oh, no. <laughs> and then Tony got he, covered in cum. It was a mess. Well, Tony's a nurse, so he was fine. He's dealt with worse. But the fact that he had to like physically... <laughs> but, yeah, no friend should ha- ever have to do that to another right, friend. Right, right. Even if you you're You don't want to be uncoupling your mate. Yeah, yeah, from yeah, a Dyson. Said, like. <laughs> separate, as he said, you had to separate knob from shaft, you know? Uh, sorry, yeah. like, shaft from shaft. That's how yeah. he said, you had to separate shaft from shaft. Yeah, you were but, docking yeah, with I- a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Maybe that was the line I needed. All right, I'm gonna, if you're going to borrow that off you, Luke. Oh, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I was docking the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> um, so, Dilrook, I did want to discuss. So, people, I think most people will be familiar with your work. If you don't know, Dilrook is... Uh, a regular and have you been paying attention uh utopia which you want to you you run a gold logie oh no a, a logie no, a, not no, a gold silver, logie. Silver logie i don't know how the logies logie. work man yeah, it's, it's only um, one gold and the rest is silver <laughs> i'm a young person dude no one gives a fuck <laughs> man I, I didn't know either until i won one so. dude it was <laughs> no, but how how incredible i just thought that that's so cool that like as a young comedian it is cool because they kind of go to actors usually and TV stars. It was yeah. very cool to see someone who, like, well, you know, I do stand-up with and stuff going like, oh, you're being recognized on a mainstream level 
uh, for yeah. the work you're doing. I thought it was very cool. And I think a lot of people at the time were like, oh, it's possible to not be a failure. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was it was incredible like honestly it was something that went from because the way the process works awesome. behind the scenes is like there's about like 30 people up for the category or yeah. whatever and then they narrowed down to five and then from there five so it's all voting based but my category was uh which was new talent popular new talent and then the final thing is a pure voting thing and when the votes first when the five were narrowed down the uh sports bet odds for me were like 21 dollars uh to win Really? And I was, I, was, I was lowest. I was absolute lowest. And for some reason, my mate in Perth got a... He just... He was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm backing this guy. Put like 500 bucks on me. Oh, he would have won 10 paying, grand. I think it was, it was paying 14 at the time, maybe after a certain okay. point. And then, uh, and then what happened? So the, the things that I think worked for me was... Uh, firstly, Utopian, have you been paying attention? You know, Working Dog, that, that has its own popularity. Uh, then the Little Dum Dum Club podcast yeah. they got behind me, and they got their their fans to get uh, on board with me. And then there was uh, the Sri Lankan community, right? Uh, the uh, there's, uh, there's a uh, Sri Lankan privilege. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> there was this um, this event that I did uh, called Lankan Fest a few months before that. For, for yeah. like, it's like a, a big festival along the Crown, uh, the that boulevard, the uh, the river uh, in South Bank, South Bank Boulevard. And, uh, and I did it for free. You know, I was like happy to support or whatever. And the bloke who ran that was like, oh man, you know, you supported us uh, for free. What, what can I do for you? I'm like, oh, can you just maybe, you know, put it on your Facebook page? And that Facebook page has like 20,000, you know, yeah. subscribers or whatever. So I think those three factors uh, definitely helped me. But what was the best part about it was I was sitting on 5,000 Instagram followers. I'll never forget this. 5,000 verses on the, in the same category was... Uh, Sam Frost from Neighbors, who had 500,000. So <laughs> and just she like, was promoting it as well. Like, from memory, she was like, oh, you vote for me in the Logies or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it was Matty J from The Bachelor. He was sitting next to me. And he, um, he actually, he, so we were both up against the same category, uh, up for the same category. And, was, and for some reason, they plopped us next to each other. And um, he actually revealed on a radio interview that someone had told him beforehand that you know early on if you've won because you start to notice that uh, the cameras come towards you. Yeah. So he starts oh. seeing the cameras come towards our table and he goes, oh, fuck, I've won it. And then they go, Duruk Jaisinger, and he's like, fuck, I forgot <laughs> about this guy. You know what? I think if this proves anything, it's that, yeah, like, yes, you're obviously uh, doing great work on TV, but if it proves anything, it proves that no matter what, no one will ever give a fuck about a Bachelor contestant. That's like, right. Period. <laughs> like Matty J, he seems like a great guy. Sam he's a Frost, guy. Him and his partner, there was, there was. Of so course, to it. seems yeah. uh, seems like an awesome guy, but it's not his fault. But you know, there's just no one will ever care. But yeah, it was it was pretty. Uh, it was fucking rad. I was I was so uh, genuinely one of the happiest memories for me because I think it was one of those things that I would have never even. You know, you have certain goals for yourself when you start out in a career, or whatever. Yeah. That yeah. was not even one of them. Like no. that was so far. Like it's it's no uh, comedian's I, goal really to. It's never yeah. even in the ballpark of what you think you want to do. It's like win a logie is not a. No, a goal. no, it's so far removed. Like but, it was only I think at that point it was just me and Rove. I think was the yeah. stand-ups who had won. Logies. Everyone else had been nominated and stuff, but you, it's, it still yeah. goes to television people. But I think since then we've had Tom Gleason and Luke McGregor as well since then. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but it is a thing that I would like genuinely like. You know, it, it was a real balance between 
you know, just because it's not something you ever dreamed of or wanting doesn't make it not any cool. But, but it also yeah. just because you want it, it meant that it didn't mean that I, you know, kicked up my legs on my on the table and I just continued with what I did, what I want to do, which is stand up. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's almost like the Venn diagram between winning that and the importance of it versus being able to kill at the Exford on a Thursday night. It's so little. Like it is like yeah. I didn't really have any material. But also that's probably about. a harder goal than to win a yeah. Loki. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, Killing yeah, at the yeah. Exford on a Thursday. If you don't know, it's a very it's notorious gig. But it's yeah. just notorious for being shit. And uh, I think I, dude, I did it right before. It was one of the last gigs I did before quarantine, which is not a good way to <laughs> fucking good. end it. End a year dry spell. <laughs> just like all, all the expert is, is me doing a bit, then going, all right, so that was a new bit. Um, and then I just keep going and I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll uh, well, and that, have another and that, big that, day that, of writing tomorrow. <laughs> and to be honest, that's why I love that we get to do what we do because of that that you're so easily humbled. Oh, dude. Yeah, so sure. easily. Guys, and I just want to like fucking laugh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. My, I think my, Mike Tyson said something like, if you're not humble, humbleness will find you. It's like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like it will come at you. So you, yeah. I love, I love, I mean, uh, look, you and I, we run into each other heaps at the, the, the tough rooms because yeah. there's nothing that makes a, a, a new bit you know, put through the ringer than in front of 10 drunk backpackers who do not give a shit about yeah. who you are or what you've achieved before this. But It's all about in that moment, does the joke work or not? But Derek, yeah. there's nothing also that boosts me up afterwards when a Logie winner goes, no, nah, I thought it was all right. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I appreciate that, man. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true though. Because as a fellow performer who's watching each other, yeah. you can go, oh, I see the workings of what you're trying to achieve. Fuck this crowd. Forget what they yeah, were thinking. Yeah. I think you're onto something, and that yeah. in itself, I think, is a nice profile. I, I think that's probably what I miss the most. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I think as much as I miss performing live, I miss eating shit. I truly miss eating shit in front of strangers. I don't know. There's something that I will always love about it. I think even if I was doing arenas, maybe once I'd still rock up to the Exford for a laugh to be like, let's see if this shit's good. There's, you know what? You There's know? something <laughs> fucking magical in spending a week writing a bit and then traveling 40 minutes to the city in the cold and rain and going through all of these hours of effort and planning your whole week around this one five minutes and then going up and then one stranger goes, ah, and then you yeah. go all the <laughs> way home and you're like, fuck, is this what I should be doing? There's something magical yeah, well, in that. Yeah, and, and again, the fact that those are those questions that I think more, more so than any other industry I don't know, maybe there is, but like you constantly have to ask yourself that question. Do you still yeah. really want to do this? And yeah. you're like, fuck, yeah, I do. Like Seinfeld's new special, 23 Hours to Kill, there's a great little bit where he goes, you you know, we've got to know each other over the last so many years. You you, know, you guys know me to know that I don't need to be here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I really yeah. don't need to yeah. be here. So the fact that I'm here tells you that I actually want to be here. Like it's like, true. it's such a true thing. Like that guy has so much money, so much respect he does not need to perform and write new shit, but the process of coming up with the idea, making it funny and then telling it to people is so fucking addictive to someone yeah. like him as well that he still does it. And it's, uh, I, I love that, that, that 
I love that we get to do it. Like it, it doesn't matter whether it's in front of you know the four hundred people at the lounge, comics lounge, or the ten back, back, backpackers at, at Exford. That part of the process cannot be taken away. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. it's the same. It doesn't matter how good you are. Often, when yeah. you have a new idea, no matter how great and hilarious it will become, when you first yeah. do it, you're a shit comedian again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. you're constantly resetting yeah. and like my worst I, I would say one of the worst bombs I've ever had uh, is 21st of September 2013 I still remember <laughs> it must have been so bad if you remember it, 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 it happened on a Saturday and I was still working as an accountant then and I couldn't go to work on Monday because I was like so down from Saturday's gig I actually was like this is the weird thought I had in my head I'm like that was such a bad bomb if I get out of the Duna that bomb exists but if I hide under the Duna <laughs> it's my little bunker and the bomb can stay you know out there it's not what inside made the it Duna. so bad so what made it bad was it was uh it was actually the three-year anniversary of my first ever gig right and it was that's why I remember the day not a good well. day to bomb right and I used, it was at the Comics Lounge again. I know it keeps popping up, but my first ever gig was at the Comics Lounge in front of 20 people on a Tuesday night. And yeah. this was three years later. I'm the support spot. The headliner was Fiona Lachlan. The MC was Big Joel opportunity. Creasy. First time I'm getting paid at the lounge, right? It was my first paycheck. Huge. Uh, but, you know, all of it was big. And I used to be someone meticulously would write out the set list every day, even though I knew it was the same set list every day. Yeah. I just as a ritual, I would write, uh, you know, the, what, I'm, what, what the order I'm going to be doing it in with my, in my notebook. That day, I just wrote, just have fun, cunt, right? And I literally just wrote that and circled it. And I went out and I had, I swear, at, at the time, at the time, the best, the best starting seven minutes I've ever had because I must have been in such a great headspace yeah. about just embracing, could not believe that I'm at the same venue that I started at, getting yeah. paid to do it finally. It was all like just, just pure love. And at the seven minute mark, I got cocky. And I thought I'll try a new bit. Oh no! <laughs> and, I've done that before new... at the lounge. And, Never and a good in my, call. In my in my head as well. So I'm only three years in, by the way. Remember how raw? Like, yeah. not only was I not good enough to do this bit today, maybe, but I was barely even able to do it back. Three then. years it was in. About... Never go off script. Never go off script. The first time I'm doing the fucking weekend crowd at the comics lounge. And, <laughs> weekend but also, too. Yeah, it was a five-minute bit. And in my defense, here's the, here's the slight defense. I had tried it on the Monday night earlier at the lounge again, and uh, it went well. So I felt, yeah. you know what? It went well on Monday. I'm going to give this a go because this, this crowd's eating out of the palm of my hands. I'm fucking the king of comedy at the moment. This yeah. will be fine. And it was a five-minute bit, and in my head I went, you know what? It's five minutes. Even if you bomb, you've still got eight minutes to recover. So it's a 20-minute spot, right? And I had eight minutes of gold left to go. So... I then do the five-minute bit, and how's this? The bit was about how I grew up in a Muslim house uh, with a Muslim grandmother who told me that she wished uh, she um, wished that I grew up as a Muslim as well, uh, but because I'm not, that she has to go to hell uh, for eternity <laughs> because right. her grandchild isn't Muslim, and, and I somehow decided to try and make that funny in front of a Saturday night crowd at the comics lounge. This will be funny and relatable to all of the white mums and dads. 
Oh, yeah, no. they're, they're literally, literally suburban mums in that audience. Like, yeah, <laughs> my lord. And here's the thing. Like, to date, I have now, you, we talked about the competitiveness that I didn't know I had. That is at the back of my mind that one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that bit work at the Comics Lounge on a Saturday just to prove it to myself that I just wasn't ready, that the bit, the, whatever was in my mind still funny, but I just couldn't get it out. And anyway, I bombed so hard. That five minutes was such a brutal, because it's not only bombing, like getting no laughs, is bad enough, but getting no laughs on something that's making the crowd really uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm talking about literally one of the punchlines is about my grandma rotting in hell because of how adorable I was. Because it was like she had this belief, but she still let me, you know, grow up in this in this house because of how yeah. cute and cuddly I was. And I was like, You think your parents have made sacrifices for you? She's, you know, she's having Satan she's burning you in know, hell. Poker, burning in hell because of me. And <laughs> and I bombed so bad that five minutes that that eight minute recovery never happened it was just another <laughs> another oh, no. 13 minutes and it says the way it worked was at the back of the room where the bar is those people first start chatting then the yeah. row in front of them start chatting and then it just trickles till you have 400 people oh so they started talking oh man it Dilra, was i like... have never seen that at the lounge in my life yeah. of a comic yeah. oh. so hard that the audience starts talking i've never I've seen s- that. i've seen it a i've couple seen it times. i've seen it Obviously, it happens. And here's the thing. So I, it actually the, the shocked point- me when it happened. I was like, I've never seen 400 people this un this disinterested <laughs> in anything. Like collectively, it's- they were all like, "Fuck whatever we paid for," and it's crazy to yeah. watch. It's and like, that is even worse because they paid for it. They're like, yeah. oh, "I'll just waste my money." <laughs> you are, yeah, no, exactly. You become one of those, you know, hotel lounge singers. You know, just they're in the yeah. background. Yeah, <laughs> that's the worst. Yeah, it, it was. It was such a level of rejection that I hadn't felt. (laughs) Since the the last time you did the Exford, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's that's different. See, this one to me was such a direct link between my own ego and the bomb. Like it was because I got cocky. It's because I took them for granted. It's because like that thing which brought me here was the idea about stand-up comedy. You have to prove yourself every single time and you can't take whatever your previous achievements for granted. This concrete was such a concrete example of that first seven minutes was my most storming gig I've had. I probably had better since, but at the time I could not believe how much I was rolling with laughter at the first seven that it went to my head and I went, fuck it, I can do this new bit. So since then, I actually reckon... I reckon I've never bombed on a weekend at the lounge since then. It might happen now, I don't know. But up since then, it has given me so much fear and respect for that. For that, it idea makes you of better. Killing. It made me heaps better. Like it made me so much better because I, I would never. But because now I would do the lounge and talk about having a Muslim family and all those things. I, I'm able to tap into that side of yeah. me. But it's because I put in the work that needs to go in before yeah. you can get there. I were as opposed to me going, oh, I kill for seven minutes. Fuck it. I'm going to talk about something that's a bit dark and heavy that I'm not really rehearsed that well. Let's see how we go. And then yeah. fucking I got my ass handed, handed to me so badly. Like I said, literally couldn't go to work on Monday because it was that painful. <laughs> and getting, getting paid afterwards for after that just, just felt so empty because it was meant to be this victorious moment for me. And I just went, I don't, <laughs> that's right. I don't, you get paid I don't by the guys deserve, who run it. I don't even deserve this money. I'm just That's a fucking funny. fraud. It was, it was, it was a humbling. And going back to that, a word of humbling. The idea of if you don't have humility, fucking life will. Yeah, that is you. rough. <laughs> if you do so badly your dream, you couldn't even go to your plan B the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, you you failed so badly at plan A that you can't even show up to plan B. You just go going straight to plan K, which is just kill yourself. <laughs> um, wow, that's good. Uh, oh yeah, continue this. I was just going to ask because we're getting towards the the yeah. end of it. I wanted to ask what's next. Like, what are you now that you've done? You know, you've been killing at the festival, and you've been doing really well in Australia. Now you've gone Amazon Prime. What are you What are you shooting for next? And Oscar, um, he's got the low. Yeah, 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 yeah. I won't be happy until I get the EGOT. You know what the EGOT is? What's that? That's the Emmy, Emmy, Grammys, Oscar, yeah. Antonio Awards. When you get all four, dude. I, oh, think, yeah. I think. I honestly I think, think Childish Gambino like uh, is will be the only person to ever get that. Donald Glover is the only person who has he's, done he all could four. Do that? No, no. I think Whoop, uh, Whoopi Goldberg's already ah, got it. True. And she's a stand-up. Okay. She's a. Is she a music. Stand-up. Ah. She did a. She got a Tony Award for something. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, Gambino okay. could but, uh, definitely do that. Hey, Donald Glover's in with the shot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, no, for me, I. You know what? This is. Uh, it's. Uh, I want to get better as at writing. I've. Uh, I've realized this whole lockdown experience has been uh, a good aware. It was something I was always th- thought was a, an issue that I needed to work on, and this has really confirmed it. Which is that a lot of my. Uh, writing on the, the material I write is written on stage so it has a lot of performance elements to it so I always right. just take a bullet point to stage and then flesh it out in front of a crowd because the pressure of bombing helps me kick into that gear yeah. so all my material really lends itself best to a live crowd and doesn't actually seem funny on paper or at least it really needs me to sell the gag so my next goal is to start getting better at actually the writing part of it and just being able to sit with my material and, you know, flesh it out here at home yeah. rather than just taking the idea out there and, and finding the, the energy from the crowd to, to make it funny rather than, you know, actually being funny on paper. So that's that's pretty much my next real goal. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it was a really difficult experience when uh, I did this thing for, for Stan that's coming up where you film it at home in isolation. Is this stand-up? You just recorded your own stand-up or yeah, was it it's, something it's, it's else? A, it's a show called Lockdown Comedy Festival and there's yeah. like about a bunch of different comics doing like three to four minutes each or something like that. And you had to submit, uh, you know, your, your, your script of what you want to do and just typing out my material. I'm like, fuck, why do people laugh at this? And like, <laughs> it made me really kind of re- realize how much of my process re- relies on this live crowd to be there to give me that feedback. It, because I know it works. Like, I'm not even trying to be cocky yeah. about it, but I know it's funny. But I'm, I'm really second guessing how funny it is versus I, how I much I sell the gag. That's a, that's a thing that Luke and I do because we do the online video where there is no audience but you also do yeah. the stand up it's mm. from my view i think they're completely different things like being Agreed. funny yeah. on video with no crowd versus being funny stand up i think they're almost completely it's a different type of comedy skills. Like sometimes i'll well, have an different... idea and i go that's not a stand up idea that's more for a video idea right, and some things right. just translate better on video and some things translate better on stage sometimes they both like obviously there's a point where they both work sometimes i'll Mm -hmm. say something on my podcast and be like i should make that into a bit that's actually pretty funny right right it's a different it's a claire hooper said it's like a different language like you yeah same it's the same speech pad you're still using your voice and your facial expressions but you're speaking a whole different language when you're talking to a live crowd versus talking to a crowd that you don't see 
and you have to anticipate it rhythmically it's different mm. do you know yeah. what I mean like you, and you guys are the best examples of it because you can do both versions and you would know that it is a completely different skill set to be able to make your sense of humor translate to a single camera to an audience that you can't really know whether it's hitting or not yes. whereas i feed off that I, I i like to so even something if it's one of my grosser bits i i love that feeling of pushing them away and then making them feel uncomfortable and then doing the jokes yeah you can't just... really do that at all on yeah. video like if you if you tell a really really gross story on stage yeah. a lot of it is them going uh stop and you going i'm gonna keep going but on video yeah. if, if you get that uh stop they might just stop watching and then yeah, you fucked totally. it. Yeah, it's, and then it's like it's you're, you're just recording yourself talking about sticking a toothbrush up your ass for no reason, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, and it's there permanently. It's there <laughs> yeah. permanently. Because yeah. it's like, oh, man, it's like justifying your, that you thought this was a good idea so much. Like, so when I shaved my head and I filmed it, people thought that it was like a. some people reached out and asked if I'm okay. I'm like, fuck, how much of a mental breakdown do you think I was having that I set up a camera filmed it edited it put songs and everything on top of it yeah yeah i just thought it was like a to... i just thought it was like a jackass skit you know like it you... was a sketch yeah a little fucking funny little <laughs> 10 minute video that's actually a video. really good point if if someone films themselves shaving their head it's to be funny or to create content or for charity if your friend especially a girl just comes to work the next day and they've shaved their head they need like a welfare check if they told yeah, that's no a breakdown and that's they a just Britney breakdown yeah. Yeah. It's Britney, Britney yeah. 07. Yeah. Exactly. So Britney I, didn't show anyone. She just had a bald <laughs> head one day and the whole world went, this bitch is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that thing I, I would say it's just like, yeah, I, I, I think the um, just going back to the idea of, yeah, like playing into front of that crowd and learning how to uh, adapt is it's a whole different skill set. And it's not necessarily something that I know. I'm not sure if I want to go down, but I know my writing is something that even when we come out of lockdown, I want to be able to look back and go, oh, hang on, this bit is better. Actually, here's this that I found really fascinating. I got the chance to speak to the guy who books the Conan O'Brien stand-up spots. Mm. Right. And he and I asked him what it is, what what is it that he looks for in in terms of when he's booking, you know, because they're spots. pretty much strictly like three to five minutes, aren't they? They, Almost all yeah, of yeah, them. Something, I think it's like four to five. Excuse me, sorry, I had got my own. Only like four or five Australians have done it, I believe. Uh, so Nick, I Cody, Ronnie, yep. Chang, Ro Becky. No, Ronnie hasn't done it. Uh, it goes Cody, Becky Lucas, I think Becky's Reese, Nicholson, Tim Minchin, uh, oh, yeah. Sam Simmons, and James Smith. So there's about six who have done Conan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at least in the new format, yeah. I believe, at least. So I asked the guy what this uh, thinking behind it, and my interpretation of what he was saying was about how the audience for a Conan crowd, you cannot control. Like, the there could be people who are just on holiday, who got, like, lottery tickets or whatever it is. There's yeah, never guaranteed. It's, it's a very unnatural environment for a stand-up comedian. For, so you can't, and, you know, you're just... You, you, so, for example, he said you're playing to the camera here, but the audience is actually on your right-hand side. So you're... Oh, you're not even looking at to, them. You're not even looking at them. So there's a whole yeah. bunch of variables Ugh. that that change it from being so he's like you could crush at a club but you might not necessarily crush the spot and for him as a booker he needs to show evidence that that if a, if the stand-up goes bad and this is my interpretation i think i understood what he was saying was that if the spot goes badly 
he needs evidence to show his boss Conan going, yeah, but look how funny these jokes were. They just didn't laugh that day. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yes. If you are someone who's pure cell, pure uh, sizzle, pure flair, yeah, yeah. and then they bomb, you can't and uh, you can't show the evidence. You can't show the enough. script and that yeah, they yeah, laugh yeah. at while they're reading. Right. Yeah, like you can't, think- you can't show him a it's then tank and he kind of goes, I thought this guy was funny. He goes, no, he is. And then you just pass over a note that says, just have fun, cunt. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was his script. He <laughs> asked him to submit his script. But I thought that was a really good point yeah. is that he's got to cover his ass. Mm. And so he needs to see the almost the workings like you'd need in mathematics back in high school. Mm. Like, we don't need the answer. Just show me the working. Show me that you put the work in. Yeah. And for me, I felt like that's something that I definitely lack in my performance or my writing is that a lot of my writing, a lot of my jokes work as performance and not so much as a written gag. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the area that I... So, think so I is that a goal about. for you to go over and do some TV stuff in like you're either in America or the UK or... Yeah, you, yes are you, no. do you want to do like, international or are you, or are you happy just yeah, yeah, being yeah. big Look, here? No, no, no. I definitely would love to do... Uh, be, uh, being international would be awesome. I would really love that because for me, the only goal when I started was to be able to do it full time. So yes. that has been ticked off. So in that weird sense, I am not... I'm not as... No, I'm still hungry. I don't know. It's a hard one for me to say because on the one hand, I'm super content. Like if So if they say, you know what? Corona has become such a big issue. We're never going to have stand-up again. I genuinely feel like, fuck, all right, that sucks and that hurts, but I've I've had a crack and it worked. You know, I, I got a taste of what I wanted to do. It, it is live off a, an interesting plateau with like a dream where when you make a living, because that, that's the, the only goal you really have is like, man, if I can make it mm. uh, buy food as a musician, that's so cool. Mm. It's, it's yeah. almost like I feel I sympathize with that of like, I, if this is it, if I stay at this level forever, that's beautiful. That's amazing mm. because I can buy food and I can live off comedy and that's the dream. Mm. Like I, I, I want to shoot way higher, but if this is it, Fuck, that's a win for me. Yeah, it's easier to get content, I think, is like the point. It's it, like, yeah, but it's so just to, me, to appreciate right, what you have. Yeah, right, correct, exactly. And it goes back to that gratitude thing. But at the same time, where my goals have always been has been back with process, you know what I mean? So, mm. I that in terms of the one goal was to live off it, but everything else was all about how can I get better? How can I get better? What do I yeah. need to do to get better? What do I need to do this to make this story about me sticking my dick in a vacuum cleaner funny? Like that, that yeah. is like, has always been for me, at least it's been the goal. So yeah, of course, if like, if I could do a spot on Conan as someone who loved watching Conan as a kid, like it would be unfucking believable to me. It's already cool that I'm good friends with Nick Cody who has been on Conan. Like that to me is yeah. already a fucking win, like in this weird sort of way. But th- that's not to say that I then have, I, I, I'm not good at planning things out. So everything that yeah. I've done that I would say I'm proud of has never been a calculated plan. It's always just gone back to how did I get better each year? So it's just yes. about like, and that's the one thing that's in my control. So I, I could, if you asked me uh, before the Amazon offer came, I couldn't have even thought of that as being an option. Like I didn't even know Amazon yeah. had a streaming service that they were looking for stand up. Any of that was like beyond me. Yeah. So I'm not a good, that is not my strength. My strength has never been about long-term thinking and, and things like that, or even finding management and all that. I remember I did a workshop once 
uh, for newer comics at, in Perth. And this <coughs> first question from the audience was, oh, how did you get uh, your management to, to sign you? I'm like, what a terrible fucking question. Like, how it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's it's yeah. not like, how did I convince them? It's like, they come to you. It's not like, yeah, yeah, you're, exactly. not, you don't go into a meeting with a briefcase and go, I'm Dilrock and here's five reasons why you should sign me. Right, <laughs> right, right. It's exactly. like, they go, oh, this guy's good. We, we can, you know, essentially make yeah, money out of him. Make money, honestly. Oh, I, and I swear to God, that was it was when I started selling shows out on my own is when I got management hit me up. People don't realize like, that. You have to do something by yourself. It's, to get uh, interest from those people. You have to prove that you can do it without them before they want to help you. Right. And it's something, it's advice that Ronnie Chen gave me as soon as I signed on. He said, that's great. Congrats. But don't forget, they can only sell something that's that's already selling. So don't take your foot yeah. off the pedal. You keep hustling. You keep doing what you've been doing well so far because there's only so much they can actually do. Ultimately, management can only really assist you get more of what you're already getting. Correct. Really. More opportunities and stuff. Yeah, and that's the thing. And if you're not good at being able to get those opportunities for yourself, like it's 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 like you guys uh, are great with your ability to run your own business model, like, and that is fucking true, like amazing freedom that you have there to be able to control your audience, and you know, you know, you you know every penny where it's going, right? Yeah. Um, but that was not my skill. Like, I don't have that ability. You're an accountant. You're an accountant. <laughs> I was a shit accountant <laughs> from KPMG for a reason, right? <laughs> so, so the, the, the only thing that I would say I was ever good at was that I loved stand-up. Like, yeah. that's the yeah. one thing that I think I do better than most people, which is the love of it. And I keep going back to that idea going what can i do to make me love this more like what can i do to enjoy yeah. performing more and to always those comes back those things come back to writing and and you know pushing myself in out of my comfort zone on stage and things like that so mm. so i maybe it's lazy maybe it's a defeatist way for me to think and i'm always like if i get this part right the other bits will take care of itself do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, so, so it kind of happened with the management thing. I never really hit them up or anything like that. They came to me, uh, and then when since then, like I'm, I guess I'm privileged enough now that they look after those things, like you know, you know, looking for deals and things like that. Yeah. But while since they are using those resources, what are the things that I can do in the background that can make me better as a performer? You know. Yeah. So for me, it comes so so going back to that original question. Fuck, I would love to be on Conan for sure, but I don't know how to get there. So at the moment, let me then work on the writing thing. You know. Yep. Yeah, yeah. that's a good answer. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, I just wanted to talk about uh, people may recognize you from another show, which is uh, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Um, I wanted to ask, like, as someone who people, it's well known that I'm fascinated with the world of reality TV. I do Uh videos on The Bachelor and stuff. Uh, With I'm a Celebrity, Mm. what, okay, is it real? Like, uh, you're in South Africa, yeah? Because there was rumors the first season that the people weren't even in the place that they said. I think I'm pretty sure that is because the British version of it is filmed in Gold Coast. Uh-huh. So, so but the they British but version, they lie and they say it's in No, 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 no. They just say it's in the jungle. In, it's not the, the jungle. Australian outback or whatever. But They film it in Surfers Paradise. That's the fucking yeah. jungle actually. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say that's a lot of wildebeest out there. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's that and you yeah, exactly. It, it's hard to escape those animals. It's a terrible uh, place. They, they they've got a lot of speed on them, you know. <laughs> on the wheels yeah. Uh, but yeah, I uh I think that was where the confusion came. But okay. no, I physically flew to to Johannesburg and then you yep. go to Kruger Park and prove it. Here's so here there's no way to prove it. A passport. <laughs> I guess I can show you my passport. But um what what I what the difference is it's still a set. So you're in the jungle. Well, yeah, that's know. what Pete Rosethorn told me once at the comic sign. She goes, oh, there were, there were plants in pot plants. Because like, yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not a jungle. No, no. So you're in the jungle, but they've cleared it and then added like pot plants and shit like that. So, so the right. trees, when, when you show the campsite and you this see This jungle looks too it, much like a jungle. Can we get rid of the jungle and then put some custom jungle in, please? <laughs> well, that, that's, a, that's apparently, as far as I know, a safety precaution. So they literally have netting that goes around to stop leopards from coming in. Uh-huh. Like that. So, yeah, so they have to have like this big per- per- perimeter, perimeter, yeah. perimeter. Fuck that! You know the word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, actually not fencing. a not a big word. Um, even Flying I know that Sh- one. <laughs> well, no, in, 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 in I think in Sri Lanka we used to pronounce it perimeter, and ah, now it's perimeter. Yeah. There's a few words like sounds that like a Nando sauce or like the gauge yeah, of does. the Nando <laughs> sauce. <laughs> it sounds like oh, how hot is it? Let's check the perimeter. <laughs> the perimeter. <laughs> Yeah. on the sauce bottle that's so fucking funny no perimeter perimeter and there's another word that keeps coming i think uh psych- psychology i used to pronounce it psychology and oh, yeah. so for me it takes a little bit of time to always get on that and the word avow always makes me struggle because in in when i speak in singhali or in sri lankan uh, the v and the w it, it's interchangeable it's yeah oh ah. it's just you know it doesn't really have follow any rules so, oh, so it's not have a swapped, lot of it's eddings. just whatever yeah, I think a lot of Indians will say winter and wedding, you know, yeah. whereas Sri Lankans will say voucher or visa. Like it's a, it's a really, right. I, 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 it's because it's the same letter that you use for both sounds. Right. Okay, you know? that's interesting. And uh, but yeah, I so, thought so, I thought they were reverse, but it's just whatever the fuck you want, kind of. I think I'm sure there are. I'm sure it's closer to being reverse than not. But I think there's some exceptions. But anyway, the point is perimeter. Uh, there's uh, there's 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 perimeter trying to stop leopards and there's I think like rangers who are constantly on the lookout for those animals yeah, okay. getting in. <laughs> but there's only a limit to what they can do. So when we came across snakes and shit, like there was a incident where me and this other guy Ryan from uh, Maths, which yeah. you love as well, I'm sure. He uh, that's he a man you want around a deadly animal, huh? You can trust him. Well, to be honest, because he lives on a farm, he fucking knows what he was talking about. Like he, ah. I think I met him once. He's friends with my tour manager Zach. From the, does he live in the Gold Coast? Uh, no, or no, Sydney? no, he lives in Goldburn. He lives in Goldburn. Oh, okay, it's Ryan Gallagher. So he yeah. does stand up because he, he didn't stand up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he spotted the snake before anyone else could because he's constant since he was born. He's looking out for snakes, you know. Yeah. So he was actually really great to have around for that. But um, that was a spitting Mozambique spitting cobra. Like, and I didn't. Real, I'm, I'm fucking dumb. I wanted to get a closer look, but that thing has like a six foot, you know, spitting range, and it could have fucked me up. So those are the elements and that spits are real. poison. You know I mean? Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck yeah. that. Yeah. What was the yeah, worst totally. thing you did on the show? Because like my mum and dad watched a bit of. I watched a bit of it when you were on, but like, what mm-hmm. was the grossest thing that you did? So for me, I only got to do one challenge, which was really kind of annoying because I didn't realize 
that it was voted by to go into the challenges, you know, is voted by the public. And if you have a small profile like I did, they were like, we don't care about that fucker. Let's just send in, you know, uh, Charlotte from Geordie Shore yeah. to, yeah. you know, do all this shit. And uh, so the one I did get was where I was in a fucking bingo, like human sized bingo barrel. And they kept tipping shit on you as you're trying to find fucking bingo balls to answer the questions or some shit. And um, mm. the things that got tipped on me were like, cockroaches like these huge fucking hissing yeah. cockroaches they were fine they're just weird creepy sludge which smelled like it was fat from animals like the the, uh, the yeah. bits that are on so it just tipped on but the worst fuck this for a joke and i can't believe they did this was ants like actual uh some bloody exotic ant that when they tipped it you fell down the back of my shirt and then got stuck in my you know the bit where your the, the arch of your back yeah, and the ch- so they couldn't actually escape. So because they couldn't escape, they were freaking out, and they just kept piercing and biting. Oh, me. that's and, <laughs> yeah, and it went down my ass crack as well at one point. And there was, <laughs> and there was bite marks right round my down here. Well, it was like actual scabs, tiny, tiny little scabs. And Jesus. so that 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 was when I went, oh fuck you! This is like you guys aren't fucking around. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's real. Huh? That, that, there was a Rhonda Birchmore got stung by a scorpion in one of the challenges, and her Ooh. her finger her swelled swelled up for like for days. Yeah, like it was she literally couldn't be. I'm like, she's a she's a 40, 40 year old veteran of this uh, entertainment industry. Treat her like a queen. Instead, she's walking around with this. <laughs> shit. But that's the appeal, like, though. Isn't yeah. It? yeah, I think so. But I think that's what people. I think love that's about why it. it is actually. Well, there is there's a reason why it's a successful show is because it seems like the most real out of all the reality TV shows. It seems like the yeah. less reality TV show. It almost seems like Survivor I, yeah. kind of vibes in a way. Well, I think su- Survivor is like it's next a, level, yeah, it's a different but, thing, but 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 I think the difference in this I'm a celeb is that they there's no idea of um, hostility. There's, there's no, no hostility drama built. between the contestants. Yeah. Everyone's friends. So the drama, yeah, but if the drama happens, it's very organic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. something like Maths or Bachelor or anything like that, they have to create a storyline. Yes. Well, I guess also because like a villain. none of these people in reality TV generally are perf- like professional performers, whereas I'm a celebrity. Uh, they yeah. are. Yeah. And so it's they don't so need, right, need right. to. They don't right. need to make them be entertaining because everyone's in there trying to get Instagram right. followers yeah. anyway. And you know what I else? I know how to do this. I'm a celebrity, like all you guys on that show, you've all got something to lose, like usually, right? But people on The Bachelor, they're like, if I'm the villain, I just get Instagram followers. Like it doesn't, they've got nothing to lose. So they can just be an asshole and go back to their day job. Right. And I actually think that actually undid me for the first couple of days because I could not stop that thinking in my head going hang on, I can't, you know, I, 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 I'm I, on camera all the time. Yeah. And, you know, especially, you know, we, we like to hang shit on each other uh, backstage at gigs and stuff mm. because you, we all trust each other and we go, like, you know, for the juggler because it's fun. But when you don't know people, yeah. you can't do that. So I'm, like, suppressing my instinct to make fun of people uh, because they're, like, they don't know that I'm, you know, that's part of my way of acknowledging you and saying I like you is by making fun of you. Yeah. So that first three days, I reckon I was just stiff as a board going cameras everywhere. Cameras oh, the everywhere. first thing I, I do is be like, oh, Dr. Chris Brown, are you even a doctor, bro? Like, you're just hot. <laughs> it's like, you just, you got to say that to his face. Like, do you yeah. know that people, you're hired because you're attractive? Also, you're a vet. Oh. 
like he, he fucking knows it. He loves oh, good. it. He yeah. actually he actually did an episode on uh, Utopia as well uh, last year, and uh, I got man, we were like battling him with all these questions about animals. It was fucking awesome. Like he's he's just got the most interesting stories. Like if yeah. he's manufacturing that shit, he's done his research. Oh <laughs> yeah, he's, def- <laughs> he's definitely hotter than Doctor Harry, which is the only person he's competing with in the Australian. That's true. Oh, I probably wouldn't fuck those- Doctor Harry. <laughs> yeah. He's one of those people that are actually hotter in real life as well. Like, really? Like, that I makes me angry. That makes me very yeah, angry. Not yeah. many people you know are on TV. That was one of the most brutal yeah. things about realizing like, we used to work in radio and when you yeah. used to see celebrities walk down the corridor, you're like, fuck, makeup's a beautiful thing, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> yeah, especially when yeah. they're coming in for radio, they know they're not going to be seen. So they're just like, well, this is just my face. It's not yeah. anyone else's. No one's done anything. It's just mine. And you're like, fuck. Yeah. I've never seen I don't, don't want to throw any life. shade, but fuck. Sean McAuliffe, mate. One day, he, I think life had just got the better of him one day when he came in. I, I think he's great, but man, he's, he's looked a bit overgrown, looked a bit scruffy. and He really well, did. He looked like. And uh, this is again. He just came out of the jungle. Step- for, for, for stand-ups, what is really fun is we're already on the low level. Like, yeah. we're already, yeah. you know, so it's like, if we do get a chance to scrub up, it looks like, oh, my God, they look great. But really, like, our base operation yes. is always no That's makeup true. and just, you know. Yeah. I think but you're used to seeing people at a higher level. Like, seeing Matt yeah. Preston without his cravat just blew my mind. I was like, bro, <laughs> you, you have to wear it. He was wearing a hoodie. I was like, what the fuck is no, this? No, that's not allowed. You can't no. fucking... You can't be Matt Preston without a cravat. That are you sure it was him? No, well, it was probably an imposter. It was just an impersonator yeah, so. who I was mean, doing Matt a really Preston bad with job. No cravat. It's like Dilruk with no toothbrush in his ass. Yeah, it's just a It's what I sell as merch afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Use toothbrushes. Oh. <laughs> Fuck, uh, Dilruk. Thank you very much for uh, joining us on the podcast. Uh, it, oh, mate, my pleasure. This has been a great so insight fun. into the uh, the world of a successful comedian which we don't often get on this show mm. so <laughs> thank you that's very lovely of you to say and um yeah hope the rest of lockdown goes well and yeah, yeah looking let's forward to catching this. up i know let's just go let's just hang shit on each other now and just get it out of our system yeah. <laughs> we're backstage but it's just nicer when we've done material first to feel like we've got validated and then you yeah i know otherwise it just feels a little bit mean so yeah, make sure yeah, you yeah, check yeah. out dilrook's amazon prime special i mean it's not netflix but you know it's there yeah, exactly. it's very very good i, I really enjoyed it's the it ld <laughs> the, LD. <laughs> the LD special oh uh, no amazon if you're listening amazon i'm sorry you know i love you mm. uh but what was, else yeah, have you got I, going on I, dill Tell the uh, well, my podcast, my podcast Fitbit Pod uh, with Ben Lomas is still. We're trying to do it in isolation. That's a lot of fun. Where we talk. Well, it started off him and me being 125 kilos, and the first of us to get under 100 kilos gets a thousand bucks. And so it started off as a bet, following that. Uh, you know, the podcast yeah. following that bet. And so that's where I realized how competitive I got because there was a a week where uh, I think it was like in two weeks I lost 10 kilos just wow. through sheer anger <laughs> that'll do it to you is the not wanting the incentive to not lose a thousand dollars will shed yeah, the weight yeah, very quickly. yeah. yeah so the, the first eight episodes cover that and then afterwards we've had people discuss their own shit but uh, uh, otherwise yeah Instagram Dilruk J Twitter Dilruk J those places I you know do videos of yeah. shaving my head so <laughs> it'd be great if you can, people can follow that. Go right, check out right. Dilrock. Uh, he's a very funny man and a very good friend of ours. And yeah, he's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Oh, pleasure talking to you boys. Thanks so much for having me, guys. 
No See you worries. later. That's been the See Luke and Lewis show. Talk to you guys in a few days. See you later. Do you have an outro sting? Outro sting? No, we Is don't. Outro music? Oh, oh, yeah, no, no, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I just haven't got to it yet. I thought you were going <laughs> to say something. <laughs> See you. Yeah. Go. All right. See you later, guys. <laughs>